glad to have you here today. Appreciate you uh, being with us on this uh, Sunday morning. Uh, as you've seen, obvious uh, from the video that we saw today, or if you watch the news uh, through the week, you see that we have a clash of cultures going on in our country. We've been talking about that in the book of Romans. Uh, Paul was writing to two distinct cultures, trying to get a message across to them. So we're talking about, let me describe those cultures for you. We have uh, in our country an immoral culture, and there was in Rome an immoral culture. Paul talked about that culture that had basically rejected the revelation God had given them, the revelation that he had made of himself uh, in creation itself, so that even his uh, eternal power and Godhead were clearly seen through the things that were made. But they rejected that and corrupted that. Not only so, not only had they corrupted the revelation of God and worshipped idols, but they had given themselves to pursue their passions as a substitute for God, that they might find satisfaction in that. And they did not, and when they could not, they gave themselves and God gave them over even to degrading passions. And so we, we see that, and Paul talks about this immoral culture. And Paul says in, in his conclusion of talking about them, he said, one of the things that you can agree with is that you know the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice these things. This immoral culture. God's judgment is going to fall on them. And then listening to them and clashing with that culture, listening to him as he shares, and the group that clashed with that culture is the moral culture. We have the same thing in our country today. That's why the book of Romans is relevant for the 21st century. That's why it's a letter to the 21st century. Paul looked at the clash of cultures in the Roman Empire, and he saw the, the situation spiraling out of control. He said, I need to come and preach the gospel in Rome. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. So we have in our culture an immoral culture, and I'm going to gesture with this hand. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you as the moral culture. I'm just trying to gesture. You follow me. We have the, the immoral culture, and we see them on the news today. We see them marching, and they're against the gospel and against Christianity and against the things that the moral culture stands for. And we are all part of that moral culture. We carry our Bibles. We believe in the book. We believe in the law of God. And we believe that the, the judgment of God will rightly fall on those who practice such things. But Paul not only addresses that immoral culture in the book of Romans, he also he addresses the moral culture. And in the world of his day, they weren't Baptists like us. They were Jews, Jews who practiced Judaism, very religious and moral people. They embraced the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, also known as the law, and they believed it. They also believed that they were, because they were Jews, they had a, a genetic connection to God. And not only so, they were connected to God by their observance of ceremonies, but they were also connected to God by certain outward marks, this mark of circumcision, which marked Jews as belonging to God. And for people in our culture today, that can be somebody who, who wears a cross around their neck, or, or they have a membership in a church, or they have a baptismal certificate hung on the wall or pressed in an album somewhere. And so Paul is talking to these two cultures, the immoral culture 
and the moral culture. And he's talking to them about the judgment of God. Remember, he's talked about the judgment of God in chapter 2 up to this point. Last week we saw how he said there will be a judgment day when God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. They knew about the judgment of God. This moral culture did. They acknowledged the Old Testament truth that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who pursue their passions or pursue these degrading passions. But Paul reminds them that these things are not enough. What they actually needed and what God intended from the very beginning when he gave the law was that people have what Paul called a circumcised heart. And that's the title of the message today, the absolute necessity of a circumcised heart. And, and the things that are not enough, they're not enough for the immoral culture, but not only so, they're not enough for the moral culture. Just because the moral culture has certain things, they will not escape the judgment of God. Paul is heading to that point where he brings everyone under sin and everyone in need of a heart change. So you see the first point already on the screen. It's not enough, Paul would say, to this group to simply acknowledge the truth. You say, now, Brother Eddie, you haven't read us any scripture yet. Well, we're going to get there, but we need to move a little bit before we get to that scripture. So some of these people to whom Paul was writing, because they were Jews, as I've already said to you, they would have said about these immoral people practicing all these immoral things that the judgment of God will rightly fall on them. But they would have also said, it will never fall on me. I am a Jew after all. I know the law of God. I, I have the law of God. I live by that law. I will never come under the judgment of God. And if I do, it'll be fine because I'm not a lawbreaker. I teach the law. I preach the law. I hold to the law. I tell people about sins like these about which you've been speaking. And I tell them that the judgment of God will rightly fall on those who practice such things. Now, Paul, remember, he's, he's just writing. And he's imagining himself in a dialogue with this person, with this Jew who is sanctimoniously sitting in his seat thinking to himself, I don't need anything else. I have the law. I believe in the law. I teach the law. So here is this person walking around in his long flowing robes, covered comfortably in his own self-confidence and self-righteousness. And no doubt Paul had a picture of him in his mind as he wrote. Just like when I prepare my sermon, I have a picture of you in my mind. And I'm thinking about how you're going to uh, come back at me with your thoughts and argue with me. And I'm arguing with you as I'm preparing my sermon. And that's what we're doing today. We're arguing with one another. You say, well, I had an argument with my preacher today. You can rightfully say that because that's what we're doing. So Paul, why was he concerned about this? Why was he concerned about these, this clash of cultures and their need for the gospel? Well, Paul was a Roman citizen. He was very proud of the fact that he was a Roman citizen. And on occasion, he would flash his citizenship. If you read the New Testament, you find out that that's so. And so he saw this clash of cultures, the immoral culture, and, and that had rejected God, that was pursuing degrading passions, and this moral culture that condemned them, but really didn't have anything to offer to the immoral culture because they too were going to come under the judgment of God, even though they carried their Bible and thumped on their Bible and said, I believe the book and I believe the law and I believe the judgment of God is going to fall on these people. So now, we come to chapter 2, verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 17 of the book of Romans. And Paul says, but if you bear the name Jew 
and rely upon the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are essential being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one shall not steal, do you steal? You who, should, you who say one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? So the next point we need to make is Paul is saying to these people, this moral culture, and we need to say to the moral culture in America, the moral culture who, who clings to their Bible or carries or wears a cross around their neck or holds on to their rosary beads or crosses themselves when they, they uh, pass a church or says, I don't believe in the immoral culture, I am the moral culture. I believe the judgment of God is going to fall on these things and we stand diametrically opposed to one another. Paul said, I need to come and preach the gospel to you folks because what you need is the gospel. What you need is the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me say this to you as a concern. What we believe our culture needs, what we believe America needs, is we believe America needs a good dose of morality, and that could be true. This immoral culture that clashes with the moral culture, they just need a good dose of immorality. No, they don't. They need a good dose of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need what Paul's talking about in this passage of Scripture. They don't need to simply acknowledge the truth. They don't need to cling to the truth or hold to the truth or teach the truth. And that's not what you need either. You need something else. And that's what Paul's concerned about. Uh, so what's Paul doing here? Well, he's doing something similar to what Jesus was doing when the men brought to him the woman caught in adultery. You remember that story in the New Testament? When they brought that woman, what did Jesus do? Well, he began to write on the ground with his finger. Uh, what did he write? Did he write similar questions that, that Paul asked here? Did he write out the Ten Commandments? Did he write down their names? Did he write down Eddie Davidson's name in the sand and then right out beside it drew a little line and put this sin because it belonged to that person? Is that what he did? We don't know what he did. But when he finished, they were condemned, they were ashamed, and, and, and the oldest person dropped his head and dropped his rock when Jesus said, when he that is without sin among you, let him cast his first stone. And this, this moral culture, standing around this woman, this immoral woman, suddenly realized that they were as sinful as she, and they too would come under the judgment of of God. And that's what Paul is saying. Don't pretend. Don't claim to be something you're not. Regardless of what you believe or hold to or preach or teach, if you don't live it, if you're living the opposite, you are nothing more than a hypocrite and you show yourself to be deserving of the judgment of God. In fact, look at what Paul said in verse 24. Paul said, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles on account of you. 
Now we look at the church, and we had 79 this morning in the early service. It looked pretty full with 79, and we've got probably 40 in here. You know, and that's 129, 130 in church, and still the church is essentially empty. Do you know why it's empty? Because they know you, and they know me, and they see how you live, and they see how I live. And they say, if what you're teaching and preaching is not working for you, why should I want it? It's not the message that turns them away, the immoral crowd. It's the moral crowd who's not what they ought to be, who's not living how they ought to live. That's what people were saying to these people in the first century. Your culture is not interested in God because of what they see in you. Last week we talked about the day when God will judge your secrets, secrets that you think are secrets. And they may be secret to your wife, and they may be secret to your church, but there are others, certainly God knows, but there are others who see your secrets, and when they see you come to church, they scoff, they blaspheme God because of you. There is one thing that the immoral culture in our world is an expert on. The immoral culture is an expert on hypocrisy. They can spot a hypocrite a mile away, even a child can spot hypocrisy. The world is looking for people who know God and have genuinely experienced God. If all you have is facts about God, a book about God, and doctrines about God, they don't want anything that you have to offer. They they are looking for people who've experienced God. And if he has no power to change you, why should they bring themselves and their brokenness to your church? One of the things that we've been saying on Sunday nights is that the people in the Old Testament, like Moses and Abraham and David, and the people in the New Testament, like Peter and Paul, didn't just know facts about God, they experienced God. So first, he says, you know, it's, 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 it's not enough. It's not enough just to acknowledge the truth. It's not enough to hold to the truth or teach the truth. And third, it's not enough to have external associations or marks or memberships based on the truth. Now, remember, Paul is writing to somebody he sees in his own mind and heart, just like I do when I prepare my sermon, and he heard them counter. But, you know, we're Jews, and, and we not only have the law, we have, we have this sign that we belong to God, and they were sort of proud of it. They said, we're circumcised, and we, we belong to God. We have this outward mark on our bodies. And what Paul's saying is, let me, let me translate this for you in contemporary terms. It's like the pastor who lives however he wants to live, he lives a sinful life, his language is foul and so is his behavior, and then you come to him and say, you are no pastor, look at the way you live. And he says, wait, I have my license to preach, I have my ordination certificate, I even have my baptismal certificate, and I have my seminary degree, I am certified. Paul would say to that man, what you are is a certified hypocrite. Outwardly, you may be certified as far as men are concerned, but you're a castaway to God. Look at verse 25, chapter 2, verse 25. For indeed, Paul says, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Whatever outward mark you claim makes you one of God's people. And that outward mark, as we said, might be your baptism. You say, well, are your church membership. I belong to the church, after all. Uh, certainly the judgment of God won't fall on me. The immoral crowd, yes, but not me. I belong to the church. Not me. I, I'm baptized. Not me. I have my baptismal certificate. Why, it's in my, it's in my memory book. My mother pressed it in there from, from when I was little. 
But you have no indication in your own heart that you ever had an encounter or an experience with God. And Paul said that is absolutely essential. And without that, you will perish. You will face the judgment of God. You are lost. That's what Paul is telling these people. Yes, it's true about the immoral crowd, but it's also true about the moral crowd that carries the book and pounds the book and says, we believe the book and we believe the judgment of God is going to fall on these people. It'll also fall on you if nothing has ever happened in your heart. And this is where we come to the point where Paul talks about the absolute necessity of a circumcised heart. Now you hear that and you say, hmm, I've never heard that before. Where are you getting that? You're making that up. Certainly you're making that up. I'm not making it up. As a matter of fact, it was Old Testament doctrine. Old Testament. As early as the law, the whole fact of the need of a circumcised heart was something that God had told his people. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. This is what the Bible says. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? All your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Jesus said that's the first and greatest commandment. And if you break that commandment, it shows you've got a problem you got a problem. And what is the problem? Uh, well, I believe it. I believe those commandments. I, 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 I believe that people ought to live by them. And I believe this group over here, this immoral culture, they're going to face the judgment of God. Me, I'm trying. I, I really want to have a heart that loves the Lord. But I have to say, I don't have it. Let me tell you about Paul's journey. <clears throat> Paul was a Pharisee, as you know. He kept the law. He was like the young man in the Bible that came to Jesus and said, I've kept all the commandments from my youth. And Jesus said, that's really neat. That's really nice. Jesus, knowing that he had not asked him a question to go and sell all he had and give it to the poor, and he couldn't because he had great possessions, and he couldn't because he loved his possessions more than he loved God. He'd already broken the first commandment, and he was trying to get him to see that. And when you break one, you've broken them all. And so Paul said, I thought I was a pretty good guy. I had kept all the rules as far as I knew. And then one day I read that commandment, that last one that says, Thou shalt not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's house or your neighbor's land or your neighbor's horse or his cow or his Facebook page or anything that is your neighbor's. And Paul realized suddenly that he had done that. And so when he got to that Ten Commandment, he said, I haven't done that. I'm not living like that. He realized he'd also broken the First Commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Paul himself was a lawbreaker, and he was going to face the judgment of God because he couldn't keep the commandments. That's the whole point of what Paul's writing in the book of Romans. And you know if you've tried, you can't either. So what's the problem with me? What's wrong with me? Well, what in fact is wrong with you is you haven't had the experience that God wanted you to have to start with, which God said, what I will do is I will circumcise your heart. Now, what we need to do here is we need to look at verses 28 and 29 
of Romans chapter 2. Paul says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. We could put Baptist there, by the way, or Catholic, or Methodist. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart by the Spirit and not by the letter, and his praise is not from men but from God. In other words, this is something only God can do. The problem with you, the reason you're a lawbreaker, the reason you're going to come under the judgment of God is because there's never been a work of God in your heart that marks you as belonging to God. You might have a baptismal certificate. You might have a church membership. You might have some rosary beads or a necklace with a cross on it around your neck. But that's, those are all outward marks. They're all outward associations. They do not mark you as belonging to God. The thing that does is a circumcised heart. Paul said you need something to happen in your life that only God can do. And when does that happen in a person's life? Well, Paul is leading them to the point where he can see that what they need is not morality. What the immoral crowd needs is not morality. What they need is the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to look to him and see that he died on the cross for their sins and that they are, in fact, sinners. And that the judgment of God is going to fall on them if they don't understand that the judgment of God fell on Jesus in their behalf, and they need to put their trust in Jesus and their hope in Jesus, and they need to allow Jesus to come into their lives and change their hearts. It's a supernatural act of God doing something in your heart that no one can do. It is, according to Paul in chapter 2, verse 29, it's a work done by the Spirit, by God's Spirit. He will circumcise your heart. That means he will cut away all these things that don't belong and that your priority, the priority of your heart, the priority of your life will be to be pleasing to God. It will be your passion, not something you try to twist your own arm and make yourself do, but something that happens because of the work of God in your heart. Do you have such a changed heart? Have you had an encounter with God that left your heart so shaped and so changed that the priority of your heart, the passion of your heart, is to live a life pleasing to God? You can carry around the Bible all you want and thump it and say, I believe it, and I, I believe the judgment of God is going to fall on those other folks, but it will never fall on me because I've got this and I've got that and I've got my church membership and Paul said not even a Jew can depend on his genetics, the fact that he is a Jew, or his circumcision, or his law, or anything else. What he must have is a circumcised heart.